you mapped out your network visually, the various shapes that you see it take are going to be really key for you being able to neutralize, diffuse, however you want to put it, visibility biases. And that's because different network shapes facilitate different kinds of goals. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I'm very excited to be chatting with Chloe Wangu today. We're going to be talking about visibility and specifically visibility bias, which I have not dived into on this podcast before, but when I met Chloe at a networking event, that it was an online networking event because we're on opposite sides of the world, she straight away got my attention and I just knew that I had to have her on the show. So Chloe, welcome to Influence by Design. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Brands and visibility is your jam. Yep. We had a huge conversation before we started recording and both of us said, actually, we've just got to press record. Otherwise, we're going to be <laughs> chatting all day. I love how nerdy you are with all this stuff. <laughs> this is going to be Thank great. You. Brands we're often taught and we know are very much based on emotion. Mm. People buy through emotion. But you have got this, I guess, backing up of science. And this really, really interests me in bringing the emotion and the science together. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do. Just give us some context into what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm working with, you know, coaches, consultants, that sort of thing, folks that I call my soloists, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They tend to be dealing with one of two issues. Mm-hmm. Either they are out there in these internet streets, right, doing all the things. <laughs> they are on social media, everywhere, all at once. They are writing for the right publications. They are networking their butts off. And yet, they're still not getting as far as some of their other peers are doing the same things, Mm -hmm. right? And so they'll see a colleague get huge kudos or huge accolades or how am I even put this? More predictability, right, Mm -hmm. in their clientele because of their visibility work than they are getting, despite the fact, you know, they're doing the same things. It it does not compute. It becomes intensely frustrating for them, right? Mm. And I mean, I've heard one person that I spoke to recently was like, I just need to clone myself. That's it. That's all. I just have to clone myself. That's the only way that this is going to work. I need to have two or three of me. Mm -hmm. And so that's one group of people, right? They tend to be a little further along in their visibility journey. Mm -hmm. And then we have the folks who are a little bit earlier on, and they are dealing with trying to get attention to their work in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. They're not quite sure how to do it. They're hearing a lot of things from a lot of different people. And at the same time, they're also trying to pinpoint their genius and make it visible for other people and make it legible to other people as well, right? And that can be a really confusing process 
while you're also trying to run a business at the same time, right? Yeah. So those tend to be the two things that folks are coming to me for. And the approach that I use, I call my methodology visibility engineering because I am the nerdiest of all nerds. (laughs) And visibility engineering really has two sort of key pieces to it, right? Mm -hmm. There's the first piece, which is impression management, right? That's the thing that when we're talking about brands and branding and marketing and the like, we're all really familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we can influence the ways in which we are perceived, then chances are very high that we can get the outcomes that we want, right? So Mm -hmm. there's impression management. But then there's this other piece Right. Which comes straight from network science and behavioral science and a whole bunch of other things that I am in love with. And this piece focuses on expanding your sphere of influence. Uh Right. And doing that intentionally. Over time with a consistent routine, something that, you know, every day what you are doing to expand your sphere of influence and what that looks like. For you and your goals, right? I love that you are the nerdiest of nerds. You are very <laughs> welcome here because I am. I also put myself in the same category. So this this interview could go anywhere. I have a feeling. <laughs> you talk about brands. You talk about visibility. How would you define a brand? Just before we get started, because I really um, want to make sure the context is just right here. Yeah. Yeah, you've got your graphic designers that define a brand by your logo and your colors, <laughs> and then you've got your people that that define a brand as you know what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. There's so uh, many different ways that people explain a brand. What's your definition? Yeah, yeah. This is I love this question. This is one of my favorite questions, and also it is. Mm, even just as you were describing the things that different people say a brand is like. I felt like anxiety was up in my body. So I was like, no, it's not. Ah, it's wrong. Uh, so quick, quick science-backed lesson on brands and branding. Mm-hmm. So a brand, from a scientific perspective, is mm-hmm. simply a system of ideas that influences the behavior of other people. Mm-hmm. Said another way, it's a kind or a type of influential real estate in someone's head, mm-hmm. right? And we come to that because when you look at the human mind and all of the ideas and memories that make it up, that lovely constellation, right? That's really all that it is, right? Every idea, every concept is really just sort of a cluster or a constellation of these various stars, these various memories and ideas, right? Right. And so a brand is really just a, a very specific kind of consolation within this network of memories and ideas. So that's how I define a brand. And so then when we go on to define branding, which mm-hmm. is really what, you know, graphic designers and other folks are talking about when they're talking about a brand, branding, those are just a brand's assets, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about changing behavior or influencing behavior, at the very least, at the bare minimum, those assets need to be memorable, right? Because, you know, they need to remember you in order for you to change their behavior in any way, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so those are the two definitions, right? Mm-hmm. Branding, it's a brand's memorable brand assets. 
Those could be the logo, the color choices, the messaging, the scents that are associated with a brand, the textures, the jingles, the, you know, all sorts of things. The whole gamut. Yeah. The whole gamut. There's people that are visual, there's people that are auditory, kinesthetic, auditory digital. Absolutely. And if we want to make sure that we're memorable, what I'm hearing you say is we need to cover all of these aspects together. Absolutely. So that we're, we're memorable for people that are different. Yeah. I can't think exactly. of another way to say that. That wasn't articulated very well. <laughs> no, it was beautifully said. No, it was so beautifully said. Do not even downplay that. That was so beautifully said. And that's actually a key part of the impression management part of visibility mm-hmm. engineering, right? Mm-hmm. That you want a brand's memorable assets, right? To be as neuro-rich as possible. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest shortcuts for getting there is multi-sensory, mm-hmm. right? So if you can get a jingle, do that. If you can have a scent associated with you, do that, right? In fact, I'm going to go back to the jingle idea because sound, first of all, I believe it is our fastest sense. Oh. I think it's our fastest sense. I did not know that. Yeah. I think it's our fastest sense. It's not the one that we rely on the most. That tends to be visual. Mm -hmm. But sound is our fastest sense, right? And it's also woefully underutilized when it comes Mm. to branding. So there's a lot less competition for memorability as far as that particular modality of senses is concerned, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's get a jingle, right? Get a Jake from State Farm. I don't know if you've seen these commercials. They do them in America where... Okay, so State Farm is this insurance company, right? Uh-huh. And once upon a time, I want to say like maybe in the early 2000s, they uh-huh. had this ad where there is this man who's like standing in his living room in the middle of the night and he's kind of talking like a little bit like a creep. He's like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, ew, what is happening here? <laughs> and then his wife comes downstairs and is like, what are you doing? You know, like, oh, I knew you were cheating on me, that sort of thing. He goes, oh, no. Same voice. His voice doesn't change. He's like, oh no, I'm just, I'm talking to to State Farm, the insurance guys. They just got me a really great deal, and <laughs> and she was like, I don't believe you. Who was on the phone? And the guy on the phone, he goes, Oh, I'm I'm Jake from State Farm, and she goes, Okay, what are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? And then we switch over to Jake in his office, and he's like, in his you know State Farm uniform, and he's like, Uh huh, um, khakis. Right. And like, that's the end of the commercial. Right. And this happened years ago and people remembered it. And I don't know if they got a brand scientist or whatever on board because they then brought back like 10, 15, 20 years later, Jake from State Farm, except uh-huh. they handed it off. Yeah. They handed him off to like a younger, like cooler version of himself. Right. Like there was uh-huh, this uh-huh. adorable man of color who's now playing Jake from State Farm and he's going like he's going to a whole bunch of different places, talking to different people. And he's always like, yeah, I'm Jake from State Farm. I can get you. You know, it's uh, beautiful. That's it's such so good. good branding. That's such so good. Branding. good. So good. My husband and I were driving in the car a few weeks ago and we heard an ad on mainstream mate radio, but the <clears> background <throat> music, both of us straight away said, that's the intro for such and such as podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. And, I actually had a similar reaction, actually, with the actor who plays Jake from State Farm, which is hilarious. I saw him in 
another move, like a movie somewhere, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Or like the reaction to a movie or something. And I was like, is that JKC5? Like I literally uh-huh. said this out loud and it was him. And that's another reason that, you know, when folks try to, you know, bring on celebrities or have a celebrity who's already associated with another brand and that sort of thing, that's a mistake. So anyway, that's another point. But wow, yes. (laughs) Let's talk about visibility bias because you've talked about people being overlooked, even though they're doing all the right things. You call them visibility nerds. They know all the things to do. They're doing all the things and it's still not happening. Can you talk to us a little bit about why? Like what's really going on here? Yeah, absolutely. So they are being underrecognized. I'll say that just full stop, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say underrecognized, most people will will say, oh, no, no, like these folks are underrepresented, right? Like that's something that folks will say. In fact, I actually have a piece that just came out at Harvard Business Review where I talk about this and I'm like, no. It's not underrepresented. It's underrecognized, right? And the reason for that is this. When we look at what's happening cognitively in the brain, like what processes are running, right? We see that we, as a society, have actually been conditioned to overlook certain kinds of people and experiences. Mm -hmm. And so that's women, people of color, women of color, queer folk, any combination of those three things that you can imagine, any other permutation of underrecognized that you can imagine, right? So when I talk about visibility biases, I'm talking about a subset of actual cognitive biases, cognitive shortcuts, right? Or learned brain chemistry that literally shape the ways in which we see the world. Mm-hmm. And a really good example is something called the racial attention deficit, actually. This Mm -hmm. was not one that I discovered, but it was out of some research that was done in 2021. Mm -hmm. And this study was great. It was limited, but but large, right? And so it was limited in that it dealt only with white Americans and Black Americans. We Mm -hmm. know there are lots of different, you know, worlds (laughs) that exist outside of that. But that's what it dealt with, right? And what they were able to empirically demonstrate is that white Americans are 33% more likely to overlook their Black peers. And that's even when they've been incentivized to pay attention to those peers Mm -hmm. and when they know that those peers have some knowledge or information that can help them with a pressing problem, right? What Mm -hmm. folks in our industry may call like brand salience, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when both of those things are true, the deficit of attention is 33%. Mm -hmm. And that's happening to all of us, right? Yeah. Like this sort of, we all sort of exist on this spectrum of the extent to which we are underrecognized, right? But this is happening to all of us, right? And so in a lot of ways, it's, I mean, sometimes it can be malicious. I'm not going to lie about that, right? But often it's unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's sort of how we've been conditioned to be. So those are what visibility biases are. And The way that ends up connecting to these clients who are sort of visibility nerds, right? On the one hand, right, this is why they're getting overlooked as opposed to their peers who aren't dealing with the same visibility biases or dealing with visibility biases at all, right? And so 
visibility biases aren't serving as that like acid, right? That corrosive element that's eating away at all of their hard work, right? Mm -hmm. As like it is for the folks who tend to come and find me, right? So that's one thing. The second thing that's even more maybe subtle is that all of the tactics and strategies that we've developed over time in the brand, strategy, branding, marketing, advertising, and all of the adjacent worlds, right, are based on visibility biases. Mm -hmm. They just sort of assume like a resting level of attention, I might say, right? They assume that everyone just gets the same amount of attention as a default. Mm -hmm. Now that we know that that's not true, we also know why some of these tactics and strategies may not work as well for mm -hmm. underrecognized folks, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's that double whammy right there. This makes so much sense because that's why we see so many, you know, white six foot males in the in yep. boardrooms, you know, as yep. CEOs. It's yeah. we all know that it's a thing. Yeah. But then how do we actually do something with this. And this is, now. you know, we're not going to solve this on today's podcast. No. We're talking, unfortunately, I'd love to. <laughs> we would need more time. <laughs> A lot more time. And when we're talking about branding, I know that from a lot of the coaches or mentors that I've worked with, this is something that I've unpacked over many years saying, I can notice you know, you're teaching me this way. Yeah. I can see it works for you. Yeah. And I know it doesn't work for others. And in exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So I guess what can we solve in this episode? What can we share with people as to what can they do to make sure that they are visible, that they are noticed? Yeah, yeah. So one of the first things that I tend to have my clients do is a diagnostic that will let them know what phase of visibility they happen to be in, mm -hmm. right? Because once you know the phase of visibility you're in, then you know what things you should be focusing on as far as expanding your sphere of influence is concerned, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what things you can leave till later, right? Mm -hmm. And this is actually... A problem that I've seen affect the folks that we spoke about who are sort of earlier on in the journey, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That they will be reaching for and attempting and pulling off beautifully, usually, tactics and strategies from phases that are ahead of them. Mm -hmm. But because that's not the phase of visibility they happen to be in, they don't work for them, right? They don't mm -hmm. do the job, right? They don't do the necessary things. And so that's just sort of a bit of the, you can be doing all the right things, but if they're not happening in the right sequence, mm -hmm. then that throws everything out of whack. And mm -hmm. so knowing what phase of visibility you happen to be in is really key. Mm -hmm. So I'll break this down a little bit. So there are four phases of visibility. Mm -hmm. Starting from the earliest, there is sort of what I call the stuck phase. Mm-hmm. Then there's the reactive phase. Mm -hmm. There's the stable phase. Mm -hmm. And then there's the magnetic phase. Mm -hmm. Now, folks who are, I want to say folks who are in the stuck phase, there is this myth that they believe, right? That 
It's almost like because my ideas and my work aren't getting the attention and recognition that I expect that they should be, mm-hmm. that is a reflection on the quality of this idea, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This idea is not as great as I think it is, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm not as great as I thought I was, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of those two things, sometimes it's a combination of the two, right? So that's something that folks who are in the stuck zone tend to be battling with, to be struggling mm-hmm. with, right? Because they're grinding, grinding, grinding. And it's like, you know, screaming into a void <laughs> from once there's no escape, right? Mm. So that's that's the stuck phase. I find that people in that phase are really having their confidence battered and it prevents them from moving into the next phase because absolutely. they're constantly thinking, I'm not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or this idea needs to change or be refined or updated, or I need to add more, 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 more yes. to this idea because it's not impressive enough the way it is, clearly, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just not true, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not true. More often than not, you know, it's just there's a, a strategy or a system or something that's lacking, right? Like all great ideas need a strategy and a system to succeed, no matter how great they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that tends to be the thing that's missing for folks who are in the stuck phase, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then there is the reactive phase. And I find actually that most folks tend to fall into, well, most folks that I work with, maybe I'll say, but (laughs) most folks tend to fall into either the reactive or the stable phase, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With the reactive phase, a common experience is, well, sort of like I brought up before, they're still sort of working through what they're thing is, right? Mm-hmm. The obvious reason that people should choose them or like their visible distinction, throwing ink on their invisible genius, as it were, like they're still working through this process. And when they talk to folks about their thing, it doesn't seem to be landing or like mm-hmm. sometimes it lands and sometimes it doesn't land, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're just like, what is it? Like, what am I doing wrong, right? Another experience that I find is common is Sometimes with folks, it'll be that their their body of work is so huge that they don't even know where to begin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That they're wading through all of this incredible, in the future, will be intellectual property, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But right now, they're wading through all of this stuff, and they have no idea which facet of this body of work is going to be the thing that captures the attention of the folks that they need to be totally working with right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see this yeah. all the time. Yeah. All the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's another thing that I tend to notice for folks in the reactive zone. These folks feel ready for prime time, right? Like they're like, put me on TV. Mm-hmm. Everyone should know me, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But at the same time... They may also be grappling with this fear of being seen, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens? Like, what happens if that happens, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What happens if I get seen, right? Like, is it safe? So, and this can extend from like slight doubt to like, oh, maybe like I'm pretty sure my ideas are really good, right? Like, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Rippling fear about it's not safe for me to be visible. 
I know I need to be visible in order for my stuff to work, but like I, it's not safe. It's not safe for me. Right. And so they'll go through these really high highs and low, low periods, I might say, right. Where mm-hmm. when they're high, they're like, yep, I'm visible. I feel strong. I can do this. And then when they're low, they like, sometimes they'll, I've, I've had clients have panic attacks. Right. Yeah. And so all of these things, this is a pretty big phase, right? So all of these things can be happening at once sometimes. Sometimes folks go through all these three things, but in sequence, right? So that's the reactive phase. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example of a client that I worked with, right? So mm-hmm. she was an interesting client in that she, I mean, like most of my clients, like all of my clients, I'll say brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was in her first year of business, But she had come from like a very high-level consulting firm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like a McKinsey-type place, right? Yeah, yeah. And before that, it was Harvard Business School. You know what I mean? Like that kind of pedigree, right? So like Uh her being in her first year of business was really like in air quotes, right? Yeah. And when she came to me, we were having a visibility chat and these visibility chats, I don't quite do these anymore. Instead, I'll do... A visibility clinic, which is just like a Q&A, right? Instead, uh-huh, uh-huh. so more people can come. And so we were doing this visibility chat and she was sharing with me like some of the stuff she was struggling with. And I remember we got to the end of our call and it was like, she seems fine. Like I, like I gave her a little bit of advice and I was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm happy to introduce you to like some hosts of podcasts that I know editors from some publications that I know that you like your people are reading, maybe some folks who are, you know, have groups that might be helpful to you. And she was like, oh, like, thank you so much. That's great. But uh-huh. I, was like, I was waiting I was for like, that. that I was like, what? what do you mean? By that? <laughs> I was like, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> she was like, but I don't even know, like, what I would talk about if mm-hmm. I was there. Right. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is one of the cases where she's got this excellent body of work. And like I've seen it before. Right. Like I've seen her work before and looked through it and it's excellent. Like this is beautiful work. Right. And so that was super surprising to me. I was like, oh, OK, interesting. Say more about this. And it turned out that her concern was that she did not know how she would distinguish herself. Mm-hmm. from other folks who were doing something similar to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I almost don't want to waste these opportunities Yes, if I don't have this piece in place yet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, w- let's fix it. <laughs> and so we did. And that's, you know, maybe another story for another day. But that's a really great example of somebody who was in the reactive zone, right? Mm-hmm. And also not the typical kind of person that like we listed all of these characteristics and folks are like, oh, I, I know the kind of person, right? Nope. This person, Jessica, who was a beautiful client, right? Jessica was also in the reactive zone, right? So yeah. So that's the reactive that's zone. Perfect sense. <laughs> Let's talk about folks that are in the stable zone. Yeah, this is one of my favorites because the visibility nerds tend to be here. This is where they tend to be. Uh-huh. And so the stable zone, they also believe a myth. <laughs> uh-huh. And this myth is that because I have popular offerings and, you know, consistent or semi-consistent income, 
an engaged audience, right? Like, because I have all of these things, I'm secure. Mm -hmm. But that's not security, that's stability. Mm -hmm. Security is stability across time. And so what I tend to see is that when there's like a crazy big shift in the environment, I don't know, a pandemic, (laughs) you know, like, really low economic sentiment for some reason that shall be nameless, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? When, like, something like that happens, I'm trying to think of, like, some, like, a less alarming example. Well, let's <laughs> face it. We're in that phase, so let's just stick with this. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right? So, like, when something major shifts in your environment, all of that scaffolding that you built up in this particular sort of frame of reference, most of them, if not all of them, start to fail you one by one. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the messaging that was picture perfect isn't landing the way that it used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, like your group program is drying up, right? Suddenly you're having maybe the same amount of sales calls, but fewer are closing for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. So I was working with another wonderful client. Her name is Tamira. And she, up until reaching out to me, had been like a social justice advocate, Mm -hmm. sort of on the ground doing the work, like doing really excellent work. And she'd recently been appointed as the executive director of this really big deal nonprofit in D.C., right, in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this wasn't necessarily the pandemic or like low economic sentiment, but it was still a huge shift in her environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so all of the stuff that Tamira knew how to talk about, right, when it came to this work that she was doing, which is the same work that this organization was doing, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff suddenly didn't quite anymore, given her new Mm -hmm. role. So now that she's the executive director, there are certain ways that she needs to talk about things, certain frames of reference, certain angles or facets that she needs to not only be aware of, but speak from. There's a new set of stakeholders she needs to be aware of and a new set of psychologies that she needs to take into account, right? Like there's a whole new context for her to deal with. Mm -hmm. And when she came to me, she was sort of like, I'm a good speaker. (laughs) I am good at articulating myself. I have great ideas. I know what I'm doing. I have been in this world for 20 plus years. But in this new role, it just, it feels like something's not quite right. Something doesn't quite Mm -hmm. fit. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's explore it. And what we ended up doing for her is putting together a really flexible communication system Mm -hmm. for her, right? Something that could adjust regardless of the environment that she happens to find herself in, right? And that's the kind of thing that you want, right? That's sort of the secret of the stable phase, right? That when you understand that security is actually stability across time, you then also realize that in order to reach security, you want to be hyper-relevant, maybe I'll say, but like hyper-relevant in any context you might find yourself in, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Not just the one that you're in now, not just Mm -hmm. the one you were in five years ago, 
but any ones that may come down the pike in five, 10, 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is security. And so putting together a system for her that allows her to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Was she was like, yep, Amazing. Thank you so much. I, I am ready to <laughs> Our work go. here is done. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. You're amazing. I'm amazing. We love it. Good day. Right. And so so that's the stable phase, right? Where uh-huh. it's not that there's like this big layering deficiency or anything, right? It's just often that like context has switched. Environment yeah. is different, right? And so we gotta figure out how to, you know, work within your new context, of course. But also make sure that you're not surprised by another shift again, right? That the the next time the next shift comes, you're prepared to meet it. Because it will. It will come. It will come. Inevitably, it will come, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is also where visibility biases become really interesting and really important, right? Because when you're at that, like that upper, maybe... 30% 30% of like visibility nerdiness, right? Maybe I'll say, <laughs> right? Right? Like when you're at that level, there are so few things that you're not doing right already uh-huh. that the effect of visibility biases almost becomes disproportionate, uh-huh. if that makes sense, right? Because your work, yeah, yeah, your yeah. work can be in like the 99th percentile, right? Your work can be like, one percent of the world maybe is better at you than what you are currently doing right now, right? To be visible and all of those things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the results are nowhere near that. Mm-hmm. And that's visibility bias. He's talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. And then we've got the magnetic phase. Yeah, the magnetic phase, which I love. The magnetic phase is like you've arrived, baby. <laughs> this is I'm Beyonce. I am Rihanna. This is the brand equity phase, right? Uh-huh, You're building uh-huh. brand equity in this phase. And when I say brand equity, I mean that in all senses of the word, right? I mean it in the very technical jargony word where, you know, more and more people are becoming aware of you as a air quotes brand name, right? And you're building more and more of that. I mean, equity as in equality's bigger, better sister, right? Because like you're making the world a better place at the same time, right? I mean, all of those things, right? That's what's happening in the magnetic phase, right? Because you've sort of mastered hyper-relevance across contexts. You've mastered knowing which facet of your body of work to reflect, depending on which stakeholder you're talking to or which context you happen to find yourself in, right? So you understand like the, I call it your N factor or notability factor, Mm -hmm. right? Like that Mm -hmm. piece of Mm -hmm. your body of work that your folks are going to find the most interesting, like the obvious reason folks will pick you, right? Mm -hmm. You understand Mm -hmm. that really concretely. That's kind of what we worked on with Jessica, who we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And you've got a system in place, like a flexible, adaptable system in place that allows you to sort of systematize all of that Mm -hmm. so that you can, in fact, clone yourself. Which is where we all want to be. Exactly. I want to link this all together before we wrap this up. Yeah. At any of these stages, the stuck, the reactive, the stable phase, it sounds like it's not happening so much at the magnetic phase. Mm. What do we need to do? And this is super high level here. What do we need Mm. to do to counteract these visibility biases? Mm. Good question. Good question. 
So the first thing that I will say is that the shape of your network is going to be a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And when I say shape, I literally mean the geometric shape. I literally mean that if you mapped out your network visually, mm -hmm. the various shapes that you see it take are going to be really key for you being able to neutralize, diffuse, however you want to put it, mm -hmm. visibility biases. And that's because different network shapes facilitate different kinds of goals, mm -hmm. different kinds of spheres of influence, maybe I would say, right? Or spheres of influence with different focuses, right? And so, for example, when you're in the reactive phase, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in the reactive phase, like I mentioned before, folks in this phase are sort of like, okay, put me on TV, right? Like, get, let me at them, let me at them, right? When really, at this point, they want to be focusing on sort of downloading their brand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in order to do that, they need to do it in the sort of community that will help that body of work or that brand grow, mm -hmm. but also won't crush it with criticism. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because that's mm -hmm. a, it's a very delicate phase. Yeah. It's a very delicate phase, right? And so what that means is that often things like group programs and masterminds and that sort of thing, right? These tend to be great if you're in the reactive phase, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because this gives you a safe place to build your body of work, right? Mm -hmm. Or to fine tune your brand. And it also gives you a closely knit, and I'll say this with air quotes because it depends on the program how closely knit you are, but mm -hmm. you are in fact more visible to this particular group of people who are watching your brand grow, right? Mm -hmm. And so these are going to be some of the people who will be the foundation of your network moving forward, right? These are some of the people who two years from now, you'll reach out to them for an introduction to that one podcaster, right? Or that one editor, right? And in doing so, you'll be able to avoid or work around some of the visibility biases that you would face if you attempted to meet that person head on or address that person head on, right? Yeah. And so, so what your network looks like in the reactive phase, right? With all of these sort of closely clustered groups that are loosely connected to each other, right? That's going to facilitate that kind of environment where there are people who are really in the know as far as your brand is concerned, who are really on board as far as your success is concerned. And when that particular phase of your lives, your life is done, are going to be going off to like their own various networks where you then have contacts and informants and sources and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So... So that's one thing, right? So in the reactive zone, focus on downloading your brand in a community or a couple, a few communities like this, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. focus on cultivating those relationships in these networks. Focus on being visible in these networks, right? Rather than being visible outside, focus on being visible in these groups, right? Yes. That's what that looks like in the reactive yep. phase. In the stable zone, things look a little different, right? Because you've got the 
the brand is downloaded, right? Like all of that is behind you, underneath you. It's the foundation. It's you're doing great, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's at this point that you're focusing on strategic attention. And what this means is that the shape of your network is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because your goal has changed. At this point, you are looking to, frankly, start changing some behaviors, right? Whether or not that means more people buying now, whether that means more invitations to bigger and bigger and bigger stages, you know, whatever that happens to mean for you, right? You're looking to change some behaviors from folks who would have said no or overlooked you or ignored you before to folks who are saying yes. Mm -hmm. And in order to facilitate that kind of behavior change, the network has to change. The network shape Mm -hmm. has to be different. Mm -hmm. And so what that looks like is, I think the one thing that I would say is start introducing the folks in your network to each other. Yes. Start introducing. So important. Yeah. Start doing that and doing that as often as you can, because you're going to find that that builds your network towards the shape, the literal geometric shape that's going to facilitate actual behavior change at scale quickly, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is the shape that's going to make it happen fast. And this is the shape that's going to ensure that it happens, right? Mm. And so that's what I would say about those sort of two key phases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the stuck phase, that's a little more tricky because it frankly, it depends. Yeah. It really, it really depends on what the person is going through, what kind of business they have, what sort of collection of visibility biases they're dealing with, why they're in the stuck zone, right? Which mm-hmm. is a whole other diagnostic that I do, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there's there's a lot that goes into figuring out what that happens to look like in the stuck zone. But at least for those two other key phases, that's generally what that looks like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love this so much. You definitely are the nerdiest nerd. This is so (laughs) cool. Kai, for people that are listening and they're really eating this up and they want to learn more, you've got a training that you've got, a free training that you're offering to deep dive a little bit more into this. Yeah. I'd love you to share where people can get that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure we can leave a link, but I have a video training that's a literal diagnostic that will take you through understanding and figuring out which phase of visibility you happen to be in. So by the end of it, you'll know what phase you're in and mm-hmm. what that means for you moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. The video is like on Vimeo. So like I'll have to give you an actual link, but... <laughs> we will definitely pop that link in the show notes over yeah. at influencebydesignpodcast.com yeah. so that you can get a copy of that. Like I said, the link will be in the show notes. So just yeah. wherever you are right now, just scroll down and the link will be there so you can get access to that video training. Yeah. And for people that want to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So I've got three primary ways, right? If you're someone who's sort of like, I have a lot of questions, right? Well, I have these visibility clinics that I do every month, and they're essentially just these Q&As for hidden figures and underrecognized brands of all shapes and sizes, right? So if you have questions, join us in the Q&A. I will answer them. If you can't make it to the recording or the live version, that's totally fine. Send in the question ahead of time, and I will answer it on the recording. So That's one way to get your questions answered and connect with me directly. Mm -hmm. Another way 
If you are someone who's listening to this and you're like, nope, visibility biases are my problem. I don't need to hear any more. What do I do next? Then I suggest that you sign up for a visibility prescription. This is one of my favorite things to do. We'll have you take a diagnostic and then you'll get to talk with me one-on-one and I will help you prioritize your top three most important next steps based off of that diagnostic moving Mm -hmm. forward, even if those next steps aren't with me, right? And if you don't feel like you're ready for either of those things, but you're just sort of like very much on the nerd train, you're like, what? (laughs) Nerd club? Yes, more, please. (laughs) Then I have a nerd list where, honestly, it's the first place that I share any new research that I'm doing, any new pieces that have come out that might be interesting or relevant. So join the nerd list and you'll be able to keep in touch me that way. Otherwise, it's the usual stuff. Instagram, LinkedIn, you can find me there and connect. So yeah. Beautiful. And of course, all of those links will be in the show notes, either down below or over at Influence by Design Podcast. Chloe, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. If there was one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with today about Mm. this topic, what would that that one little golden nugget be? Oh, that's a good question. Remember that you are under-recognized, right? And so that means that you can be doing all of the right things and still be right where you are. Mm. In fact, the the question that I'll ask is, what if you're doing everything right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'll leave folks with. What if you're doing everything right? Mm. And that right there is so powerful because as entrepreneurs, we can really get on top of ourselves thinking we're not good enough everything's not working what we're doing is not working but what if it was what if it's just a couple of little pieces that you need to exactly it's like the glue that brings everything together yeah Chloe, thank you so much for coming and joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me it's been a blast honestly (laughs) i hope you (laughs) have me back (laughs) absolutely Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.